You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, episode 38, the best songs of 1986. Let's go all the way back to the time where swatches were watches. Alf chased cats, Ducky pined for Molly, Maverick had the need for speed, and Bill Cosby was someone we all looked up to. Wait, watch out, Bill Buckner. The ball's going through your legs, and now the Mets will win it all. No worries. The Teddy Ruxpin in the corner says it's time for you to meet your hosts, Rob Heitman and the proud owner of a new pet rock, special guest, Ralph McKinley. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we discuss the best 12 songs from 1986 while enjoying a drink or two. I'm Rob. And I'm Ralph. Ralph, welcome back, man. It's been since what, Puddle of Mud, right? Puddle of Mud, Rob. Thanks Puddle. for having me back. Yeah, it's good. A lot of people love Puddle of Mud. A lot of people hate Puddle of Mud, so it was, it was a really, really an interesting podcast. Yeah, I, I, I could imagine. It's um, it's an interesting band, let's put it that way. It's actually doing pretty well. But this was before that big, awful version of About a Girl by Nirvana. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, I think <laughs> you sent that to me, and uh, a, a very bad version that I'm surprised he would let that get released. It wasn't released. I think it was just somebody who took yeah. iPhone of it or something. Yeah. I think that was when he was in the drunk period, and if he doesn't have the right mix in his head, and yeah. he's off-key, and... It always sounds bad. Anyway, I'd like to thank everybody who's been active and joining in our conversations on Facebook page. I'd like to give a special shout out to Alex Hennon, Michael Smith, and Jason Weck, and of course, everybody else in the conversation. Thank you so much. Looking back in 1986, I was like, what is something that can make you think of, uh, for baseball, Gary Carter mm. had the biggest contract in baseball. How he, much? He was making $2 million a year. A year, Okay. So massive. Did um, Benia sign his contract back in 86? No, not yet. <laughs> he probably should, though. <laughs> but looking back at the movies, Stand By Me, Top Gun, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Great movie right there. Platoon, Back to School, Aliens, Pretty in Pink, Crocodile Dundee, and Iron Eagle, which is one of my faves. Little B movie with Louis Gossett Jr. and some kid who decides to steal an F-16 and go bomb what I believe to be Iraq. But anyway, it's just a silly thing. Uh, My top movie, just from the list you just gave, yeah, yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, it's great. And Platoon. Both great movies. Imagine they made them together. That would be kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What was the quote? You know, life proves pretty fast. And if you don't stop, you may miss the smell of napalm in the morning. Because I love that smell. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> anyway, speaking of good ones, I, I asked Ralph, I said, what do you think of a beverage that would, would mean 80s to you in the beer space? And he said, Mickey's Fine Malt Liquor. And I had never had it before, and I am enjoying a Mickey's right now. Well, thank you for grabbing this. And when you shot me a text, uh, it was probably about four or five days ago, you shot me a text that you were purchasing, and I was like... Holy smoke, I didn't even realize Mickey's Big Mouth still existed. So it's it's probably been 35, 40 years since I've uh, drank this, but but thank you very much for for uh, making me feel at home with Mickey's Big Mouth. Actually, I was Something scared. Something like a commercial, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> My name's Gus. I love Mickey's Big Mouth. <laughs> it goes great with Big Mouth bass. It does. That's It's amazing right there. No, but Mickey's, I had never had it before. I was opening it up and I was like, we're waiting for the skunk to arrive. Yeah. Or waiting for that the skunky, awful taste. Yes. And it's really not. It's very much has a Pilsner type flavor. 
it's really not that bad. So Good. I'm glad you enjoy it because I, I was worried once I saw that you purchased it. I was like, oh boy, because I know you like a lot of uh, good beer. I'm more of a uh, Coors Light Corona guy. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if this beer is going to be any good and if Rob is going to throw it at me. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, occasionally I do have my nose in the air. <laughs> but before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing specific songs and we'll share under 20 seconds of each tune unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight. And then we may do a second clip. We've made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes always heads back to the artist. We have also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. Also, look for the link to our YouTube playlist as well. Because sometimes music sounds better when you see it. And especially when we're talking about the 80s stuff here, it's all the music videos from MTV for most of this stuff. It's a hot period for MTV. Yeah. And Mid-80s. That, and that was, quite frankly, how I heard a lot of these stuff initially. For the 80s, we'll be creating two separate lists instead of the one that we've done before. But I think it's consistent with what you've been hearing so far for the 80s. Because there's just so much out there. And the odds that we match are a little low. So, Ralph... What is your song of note? Let's start this thing. Song of note, Rob. I, I wanted to uh, talk about a, a music genre that I'm, I'm not sure you guys have hit in your yearly podcast. This is um, a band out of the San Francisco Bay Area. wanted to talk a little bit about the punk genre for my uh, song of note. Yeah, we talked about punk last week a little bit, but yeah. Which band? Do you recall? Uh, Pixies, I think. Oh, the Pixies. All right. A little more hardcore here, um, band called Dead Kennedys. Okay. Sorry about that, Democrats. This was from their fourth album, the last album of the original band members. Uh, lead singer, Jello Biafra, who was one of the main songwriters. And then the guitarist, East Bay Ray, uh, was also a main player. And Jello Biafra left soon after recording this song. The name of the song is Lie Detector. The album, which is with everything going on in the political world nowadays, Rob, it's a perfect name. The name of the album from 1986 is Bedtime for Democracy. Yep. I just wanted to talk a little bit about punk. Just enjoyed the the energy, the, the politics, and the lyrics are, are pretty whacked out. A lot of anti-government, uh, anti-police, even back in the mid-'80s, this song Lie Detector is about. So just wanted to really hit on the punk genre for my song a note. Yeah, I mean, they were they started all the way back in, what, like, 78? Yeah. So they were yeah, around they, for a while. But they had a big thing, if I'm remembering Biafra. The Biafra, when you said Biafra, it hit me. Uh, they had some sort of case that they had with the other members of the Dead Kennedys, and they were suing each other for royalties yeah, at they, some point. They've they've been in quite a few lawsuits. I've heard they've been in court for several reasons. No, I get unfortunately. it. Unfortunately, okay. Well, let's listen to Ralph's song of note, "Lie Detector" by the Dead Kennedys. <laughs> No, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, this this has a lot more polish on it than some of their earlier albums. But uh, have you ever been to a punk show? Oh, uh, I've been to a lot of 
Very interesting. Thrash <laughs> punk yeah. type of shows. Yeah. It hasn't been, I don't think, a true punk only show, like the old school PA, bad instruments, and just yelling. I haven't been to that. It's always very entertaining to watch from the back. You don't want to be very close to the stage. I'll leave it at that. Well, I'm bigger. <laughs> I mean, I, en- I enjoy getting thrown around in the mosh pit a there little bit. There you go. Or throwing people around in the mosh pit more. Okay. My song and note is a completely different thing. Opera? No. Uh, it's I guess it's a pop song to some degree. It's a South African music song. Interesting. This guy, maybe you've heard of him, called Paul Simon, put out an album that won Album of the Year, but for some reason it didn't make my 12, but it was so important that I thought that I needed to do it. It's a song called You Can Call Me Al off of Graceland. They have the video with Chevy Chase, pantomiming the words. It all comes from true African music. Like he went over there and did the whole Graceland album from South Africa with South African musicians. Nice. And recorded pe- it over there mostly. Okay. He d- he finished it over here in the states. Yeah. But he recorded a lot of the stuff there and then he edited it and he brought South African musicians over to finish here and he actually took them on tour together too. But you can call me Al is really the story of Paul Simon. It's funny that people don't think of they think of it as like this light song a lot of penny was it meant to be a joke i don't i don't think i've ever no. seen this video was it meant to be a joke when chevy uh um lip synced it or was he being typical chevy chase and and trying to make uh make it funny yeah it was it was sort of funny but it yeah. kind of lightened a song that maybe was a little bit more serious you'll hear it when you hear it yeah paul listened to this track for a while as an instrumental and didn't really want to ruin it the penny whistle was played in the townships of south africa which is the, the black areas of South Africa okay. under apartheid. Uh-huh. They used to not think highly of it, they being people from South Africa, because everybody did it, and they would kind of downplay their music, but Paul brought it up a level. He took them and put them in the spotlight with it. Without using them, he was just lifting them up more than using yeah. them. So, um, yeah, it was great. The bass, there's a bass run in it, and okay. some of the techniques they did, uh, this is bass run goes... The baseline the South African guy did, he took it, he copied the tape, spliced it in half, and ran it backwards. So you'll little, hear you, a little you, backward masking. Yeah, backward masking, <laughs> yeah. but but not but not of lyrics. He yeah. was changing the run from, so, and then went getting creative in the yeah. studio. So he made notes that the guy didn't actually play, but he kind of reversed what he did. Yeah, I, d- cool. I definitely listened to quite a few songs on, on Graceland. It's a great album. I'm not really familiar with this song, so I'm I'm interested for you to to play it. I can't. This is like the one song that everybody heard over that. Okay, album. Okay, so, so so I've definitely heard it, but it's not ringing a bell right now. But but it is a very very good album. I, I remember when it came out, it, it was a huge hit for for Paul in uh, in 1986. Yeah, the drum beats are amazing. Everything's different. So it was, Paul was at this time in his career yeah, where he had put on his last album before that, didn't sell, nobody cared about it. He had to finish off his contract and do one more album. So he went over to South Africa and did it, but none of the record company was trying to get him to do something or say, change this, do that. Yeah. Because they didn't care, really. Interesting. And he went and he did it. And there's a line in the the song where it goes, I don't want to be a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. <laughs> Meaning that he doesn't want to be an artist that nobody cares about. Yeah. And then there's this, the last verse of the song, and there's this lyric that goes, 
A man walks down the street, mm-hmm. the street of a strange world. Maybe it's the third world. Maybe it's his first time around. Doesn't speak the language. Holds no currency. He's a foreign man. He's surrounded by the sound, the sound. Cattle in the marketplace, scattering in orphanages. He looks around, around. He sees angels in the architecture, spinning in infinity. He says, amen, hallelujah. That's him finding the beauty in Africa at that point. Good for him. A lot of the first two verses are more about him being caught up in his own world and thinking about dying and thinking about silly things that are in his head. Obviously, great lyrics from Paul Simon. All right, let's listen to You Can Call Me Out. That's You Can Call Me Out by Paul Simon. The whole... I can call you Betty and you can call me Al. One of these things he was at, a French composer came up to him and he left the party that the guy was at and he goes, he talked to talked to Paul and he called him Al and he called his wife Betty. Oh boy. You know, when Oops. he left. And he said, hey, Al and Betty, I'll see you later. <laughs> so it was kind of a play on that. Yeah. That, that's where that came from. Okay, Ralph, <laughs> what's your what's your number 12 song? Number 12, Rob, is uh, a song that I, I believe two different music genres coming together for the first time, rock and roll and rap. Oh, I know what song this is. Yeah, this was a huge hit back in 1986. The name of the song is Walk This Way by, obviously, Aerosmith. This this song actually revived Aerosmith. They were really struggling in the mid-80s, and then Rick Rubin and Run DMC come along and put a call into Aerosmith and say, hey, we would like to do a collaboration with you guys. And at first, they weren't real excited about doing this collaboration, but we're obviously talked into it. But Joe yeah. said that like they weren't all excited about it at all. Yeah. Frankly, they weren't sure they even wanted it on the record. They weren't sure that they wanted electric guitars on there. And DMC said, if it had been up to us, our version would have just been the beat, a couple of guitars, and me and Run bragging about how great we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is this the first time that rock and rap really came together? This was the big, the it, big moment. Definitely the big yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. This is on my list too, so yeah. I'm going to talk a little. This song really brought me into Aerosmith, believe it or not. Really? Okay. I had kind of heard him tertially, but yeah. nothing really. This song did it for you, though. Yeah, it brought me in. I'm like, what is that? That's One of awesome. the great videos, obviously, of the mid-80s, too. Yeah, with them breaking down the wall between yep. rock and rap, yep. literally. Yep. And coming through and... It's interesting when they went and recorded this because they actually brought Stephen and Joe. Yeah, I heard they were the only two invited from the Aerosmith boys. So I thought that was interesting. So they came over and they played and they wanted to play some bass parts, but they realized they didn't have a bass. And there was a couple of kids hanging around at the studio. (laughs) And they said, well, I I live right around the corner. I have a bass. I'll go get it. Yeah. And they brought it back and that's the bass he used. And the kids were the Beastie Boys. Oh, really? <laughs> because they're hanging around with Ruben. Okay. Yeah. And, and that was their Run DMC, and they, they went on tour so with Run Beasties DMC. So Beasties were around when they recorded this. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Once again, the, the interesting thing about this is this this was the rocket ship that took Aerosmith on their second career. So, you know, good for them. Absolutely. Rick Ruben said, the record and the video had a huge effect on both groups. It opened doors to Run DMC's full suburban crossover, and it reminded people how great Aerosmith was. Uh, for me, Run the MC, the only other th- song I thought about putting from this album, because it's Raising Hell, this yeah. album, is really good. And there's another song on there 
that I thought about was called It's Tricky. Yeah. And that, that, that's a very good song also. And I used to play SSX on my PlayStation 2. Yeah. And that was one of the, they made SSX Tricky. And that song was all over that. So I kind of got to love it from playing the game yeah, over this, and over again. This song was so big that it took both Aerosmith and Run DMC because this became the first rap album to receive the platinum certificate. So it was a huge album for both bands. Okay. So let's listen to Walk This Way by Run DMC featuring Aerosmith from Raising Hell, Ralph's number 12. The funny thing is Run DMC didn't even realize that the band was called Aerosmith. Yeah. They thought the band was called Toys in the Attic. Oh, really? Because that was what was on the record. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. So that's a good 12, actually. It's a good way to start us off. My 12 is going to be a little different. It's an Australian band. Actually, it's one New Zealander and two Australians. They got put into a category that they're really not in. They almost sound Beatles-esque to some degree. Obviously, not as good as the Beatles or whatever. Uh, or as Jake would say, better than the Beatles. Because he doesn't like the Beatles. Yeah. But the song that hit for them over here was a ballad. The band was called Crowded House. Okay. And the song was Don't Dream It's Over. And it's just a trio. It's Nick Finn, who's the lead vocal and guitar player. Then there's Paul Hester on the drums and Nick Seymour on bass. And that was it. Yep. No loads of keyboards, no nothing. They had a really huge album in the United States. And then when they went to try and sell it around the world with the next album to the UK... They had a really big album in the UK, yeah, but it wasn't big in the United States anymore. So they couldn't hit worldwide on any of their albums. At the same time, like, yeah. and then they finally uh, decided to break up after about like oh, almost ten years. Yeah, and they had a farewell concert at the Sydney Op Opera House okay. for their last concert because they figured they just wanted to say goodbye. Two hundred fifty thousand people. Wow. Outside, yeah. So um, it's. It's a great song. The The name Crowded House comes from a place they stayed in L.A. after they were signed and they were doing some studio sessions here in, in L.A. And they were staying in this house. They were named after uh, one of the singer's middle names and nobody really cared. And he's like, no, come up with something else. And then they were at this house where yeah. everybody who was Australian who came over and tried to make it in the music business came over and they all crashed. So they had this crowded house and that's what they went with. That's funny. That's <laughs> Yeah, I don't know too much about Crowded House. Obviously, I knew like in the mid 80s, they, they had a couple of hits. So they're from Australia, but they've got, is there someone from New Zealand in there also? Yeah, the lead singer is from New Zealand. Okay, gotcha. And the, and the, the bassist and the drummer were from Australia. The drummer actually, if you've ever watched The Wiggles or you have kids who've watched The Wiggles. I, I had <laughs> two young ladies who were interested in The Wiggles 10 to 15 years ago, yeah. There's, they have a song called Fruit Salad, okay. and he's Paul LeCook. The drummer. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> because it's their Australian kids show, I guess. So I'm interested. So you mentioned their last concert was in front of 250,000 people. I wonder like, if, if they were to play in LA in their heyday, are they playing in front of 5,000, 10,000 people? In their heyday, they're probably headlining, you know, like Staples. Okay. You know, that sort of Interesting. thing. Interesting. Yeah. A really good song. He said, I wrote this on my brother's piano. This is Neil Finn. I'm not sure I remember what the context was, but it was just one hand feeling kind of lost and the other sort of urging myself on, don't dream it's over. Just this one actually fell out literally without me thinking about it too much. 
He goes, of all the songs that I have to play every day, you know, every time we play a, a show, this is my best song. He loves the song. And I'm really happy to play it because a lot of times you have a song that you gets really popular that you don't really like. Yeah. But in this case, it's one he really does. So let's listen to my number 12, Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. So that's my number 12, Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. And my number 11, if you've listened to the podcast uh, with Jake and I, I mentioned my, and actually Jake's love for a mm-hmm. band from New Jersey that I love and he loved, surprisingly, and I couldn't believe it. It's a band called The Smithereens. And they had an album called Especially For You came out and they had one song on it, it was called Blood and Roses. Great song. Which is fantastic. The bass is so strong. I'm a big open chord person anyway. On the Rickenbacker, he, he played a Rickenbacker guitar. It's great, great tune. I love the restrained solos that work really great. This was the first single on their debut album. Pat Denizio, who's the lead singer and the guitar player, said, it's unusual for a minor key song that somehow managed to sound uplifting, although it has a really dark lyric. And the lyric is actually inspired by a girl he knew it's not clear whether he dated her in high school, but it sounds like he did. Okay. But she ended up getting depressed and committing suicide. Oh, boy. And that's what the song is about. Mm. But you don't really think of it that way. Blood and Roses. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah, when you mentioned uh, a band from New Jersey, I thought you were going to go a different direction. Oh, it's another band from New Jersey that <laughs> yeah. may come up later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Smithereens are amazing. You seen them live before? Yeah, I have. I saw okay. them, uh, I don't even remember what club. At a club somewhere. A lot of the times it kind of rolls, like all of the shows I've been to. I know I've seen them. I just don't remember exactly where. They still jamming nowadays? Well, the lead singer's dead. Oh, okay. So he died of uh, obesity and complications from it. Ooh. It was amazing to see him out there even when he was big and and doing it, but it was great. Really talented and it's really sad. Pat's no longer with us. Did he pass away because they were recording or kind of later in life he passed away? He was away? skinny. Like, if you look at the videos back then, he was skinny. That's kind of what I'm recalling. Right. But he died in 2017. Okay. It's after the coolness of the 80s yeah. and the early 90s when they were sort of big, kind of waned. So he, they were back in Jersey doing their thing and living off royalties and stuff. Yep, yep. Okay. The band plays together occasionally well, they do. Okay. with people fronting them. Yeah. You know, kind of sitting in, but they're not touring per se. If that makes sense? Yeah, no, sure. Sounds like a band that might uh, come to the Santa Clarita Canyon Club or something like that. <laughs> Assuming that's going to be around anyway. Oh, boy, yeah. After COVID. Yep. Uh, if you happen to be living in a place where they have live music, go, please. Bring your mask, do something, social distance, but support those people because those clubs are going to be gone. And some of them are having drive-in shows, so yeah. maybe do that. Yeah, I received a couple of emails the past couple of months about all the venues across the country are trying to get together and, and get people to register and try to get it in front of Congress and, and to try to help out financially because 
they're saying if there's no financial help, that close to 75% of these smaller clubs across the country are going to struggle to stay open. So it's a petition that I signed. If you ever see this petition, please sign it just to help to keep some of the smaller clubs and mid-sized clubs across the country open. Okay. I'll share a link to the petition in my show notes. So check that out. So my number 11, Blood and Roses by the Smithereens. Let's have a listen. That was my number 11. What's your number 11? Number 11 is a band out of England. It was started by one of the grandfathers of the punk era. Started up a band, the Sex Pistols, obviously in the mid-70s. Oh, you're going to go pill on me, are you? They disbanded and Johnny Rotten, or by the time he created Pill... Public Image Limited. He liked to go by John Lydon. It's a song called Rise off of the actual name of the album is Album. Very creative. (laughs) So the interesting thing about this is after Johnny Rotten left the Sex Pistols, he got together with Richard Branson, famous for Virgin Atlantic Records. Mm -hmm. And Richard Branson tried to make him become the lead singer of Devo. Really? Yeah. And actually got Devo and Johnny Lydon together. And eventually Devo said, no, thank you. And then soon after that, he just decided to create his own band, Public Image Limited. So the song's called Rise, a great song, very interesting lyrics towards the end of the song where a very psychotic sounding anger is an energy. He just continues to repeat that very interesting song. The Rise song, I think, was actually called the South African song initially. Oh, really? Okay. It was written about the oppression of blacks in South Africa. It's kind of along the same lines as his version of doing a Graceland, if you will, uh, without the African music per se. He said, I read this manual on South African interrogation techniques and rise as quotes from some of its victims. I put them together because I thought it fitted aptly with my own feelings about daily existence. You know who played on this track? Steve Vai. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, let's listen to Rise by Public Image Limited, Ralph's number 11. No, that's actually a really good song. It is a good tune. I had a chance to see PIL down in, um, I want to say I was in Orange County down in- So maybe uh, right around when this came out. Uh, Probably 89 that I actually saw because their best album, Seattle, came out a couple albums after this. Interesting character. Let's just put it that way. So, all right. What's your number 10, my friend? Number 10, I'm coming back over here to the United States. This gentleman was kicked out of a band. was recording an album in New York. Woke up one morning by a couple of the members. And it's a small band, too, that that he was kicked out of. Yeah, a small band. Basically, (laughs) they woke him up and said, we're replacing you. We're tired of your drug antics. And apparently, he was uh, just a very angry person when he got drunk and was handed a Greyhound bus ticket Mm -hmm. and said, go back to Los Angeles. So, I, I can only imagine... 
you're sitting on this bus for four days while you're traveling across the country. And you just have to imagine that's kind of the start where you said, all right, piss on these guys who just kicked me out of this band. I'm going to create my own band, band called Megadeth. And the song is called Peace Cells. And the band you got kicked out of, of course, was Metallica. Oh, yeah, that band. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great guitar work. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you liked open chords. While the verse is going, it seems like it's just a, a very simple open chord, crunching guitar, quick licks going on in between his singing. Very interesting that just as this album was being released, two members of Megadeth were kicked out for, of all things, doing drugs. Imagine that. Too many drugs is what I should say. They're all doing drugs. Once again, it's a thrash song, pretty straightforward, but gets into some politics. What do you mean I don't support your system? I go to court when I have to. What do you mean I don't pay my bills? Why do you think I'm broke? I I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Mustaine was talking to Rolling Stone about writing the song. I was homeless at the time and I was living in a rehearsal space in Vernon, California. I actually wrote the lyrics to a song on the wall in the building. I didn't have any paper in the studio and a Sharpie, so I just wrote it on the wall. Whoever inherited our rehearsal room after I moved out saw the original lyrics to Peace Cells on the wall. They probably painted right over it and didn't even know it. (laughs) 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 And Mustaine also played the bass line on this as well. Did he really? Okay. So let's listen to Peace Cells off of Peace Cells, who's mine. Yeah, that's so good. Very good call on that one. And my number 10 is not metal. (laughs) Although it has one of the hottest singers ever. This song made her hot. It's Susanna Hoffs. Bangles. Bangles, Yes. And this was such a craze that I had to put it in there. This is off their album, Different Light. And the song was Walk Like an Egyptian. Yeah. And it was just so big. It hit MTV. and Huge MTV hit. And I have three sisters. And they were all doing the Egyptian hand motions and everything. Quite frankly, I'm probably embarrassed, but I was probably doing the Egyptian dance too. Oh, you were? It was so good. Like the video, they'd have like all these people walking like an Egyptian. And they talk about cops and the donut shops. And, yeah. And they have the, the New York City cops doing the motions. It was really good. Too bad YouTube wasn't back then. It would it'd be nice to Google Rob Heitman walks like an Egyptian. Oh, gosh, that would be <laughs> awful. Had to be like This their is biggest a culture hit. changer. Yeah. yeah, this song. Yeah. And it's interesting the drummer, Debbie Peterson, was supposed to sing the song, but the producer wasn't in love with her voice. So he decided to have everybody else sing a verse. Yeah. And they tried it out. He actually didn't have her sing any verses. He took the song completely away from her and had it sung by each of the other members of the group. That's got to hurt. And not only did he do that, he put a drum machine on it. Mm. He took her drums out of it too. Ouch. She's playing like a tambourine if you see her in the video. But it drew some division in the band. It was like the first crack in the band really. They would start falling apart. They broke up in 89. That said, I still do remember that video specifically. Uh, I remember the look that Susanna Hoffs, when she's playing Walk Like an Egyptian and she does this eye roll then that I can one, picture that, that yep. one eye roll i think every guy fell in love with her yep. at that moment good song walk like an egyptian uh definitely not uh a megadeth song it could be though that'd be no this this is a good jam um i'll, I'll stay with the heavy stuff you you stay with the the, the lighter <laughs> notes Rob. oh no no i have some heavy stuff too but <laughs> but just not right now 
All right, Walk Like an Egyptian <laughs> is my number 10. So let's listen. All right, that's my number 10, Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bangles, Different Light album. Oh, it's interesting that when they play that in concert, the whistling part, they never actually whistled it live. That's old track. But they can't whistle live? They have to, they have to lip sync it, huh? Yeah, well, the whistling part. They All just right. had, uh, that's the rest of the stuff they do live. It's just the, the whistling, they hit a pad and then plays it. Lazy. Oof. Lazy, and it happens. <laughs> You know what I mean? There's sometimes there's instruments that bands play and they're not touring with that instrument. Sure. So they have like a, usually like a, a drum pad that they'll hit and it'll hit it and then it'll start that. Sometimes it's a keyboard where there's yeah. no keyboard or stuff. I don't like it, but people do it. Yes, Speaking do. of people playing instruments that they don't play, although this band initially started not playing their own instruments at all, they ended up playing their instruments much later on. The band is called the Beastie Boys, mm. and that's my number nine off of License to Ill. Good album. I went with the song that most people would think of, so I originally went with No Sleep Till Brooklyn, but I decided to do Fight for Your Right because I think that's the one that most people remember from 86. That was their big hit off that album. Yeah. They, they had two or three big hits, but that was the big one. It's so funny that they made this up as a joke. This is a last-minute ad. Once again, it's the last song that hit the album. Yeah. Let's just do it. Oh, let's just make fun of jocks. And let's just try to make fun of jocks and try to be it. And they tried to do the video for this. It was filmed in one of their friends' apartments for cheap. And he goes, this is getting more airplay than Michael Jackson's video. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like they took this character on of these frat boys. Yeah. And they were making fun of it. But then they go to their shows, and who's there? The frat boys loved it. Yep. And all of a sudden, that was their fa fan, and then they started playing the character, and more and more, they started turning into that. And later on, after everything fell apart for them, and they did other things, they actually went and they learned their instruments. They took a year off, and they worked, and they actually played their instruments. After Polo's Boutique, all their other albums, okay. they actually played all their instruments live Good on, for them. on a, like Sabotage and stuff So like just that. a bunch of... Uh White kids rapping from Brooklyn, right? From Brooklyn. And, they and then actually, they learned how to play their instruments. Good yeah, for them. Yeah, no, but they actually had some uh, some hits beforehand on the underground, and they were in that scene. They were in that rap scene. They actually started as a punk band. Yes. Out there, and they were yep. playing punk, yep. and then they started hanging out with Rick Rubin. I was about to say Rick Rubin again. He was a busy man in 1986. Yeah, because he was a DJ that had all, this, all the, the gear. Yep. The next thing you know, he's working with Russell Simmons, then he starts Def Jam Records with Russell Simmons, and he's signing his friends, the Beastie Boys, into this rap world, and they're off. This is another band where uh, one of the main guys died. Adam Yalk, MCA, yep. died of cancer. Right? I, I think cancer, yes. They have this amazing, if you have Apple Plus, they have the Beastie Boys story as told by Mike D and Ed Rock. That would be uh, interesting. They're on stage, yeah. and they walk through the whole history of the Beastie Boys. Mm. Starting from the punk days all, all the, the way, way to All the way through, yeah. And Adam passed away. Yeah. Mm. And they talked about the last show, and it's fantastic. But oh, you know what I remember? I remember I, I had my electric guitar in my room, 
And my sister Susan, I'm the oldest of four. Okay. I had her up in my room, and she was young, a little kid, and I started playing Five Free Right the Party on guitar. And she helps me sing. And I was going, I wake up late for school, man. I don't want to. And you would point to her? And she goes, go. (laughs) I ask him, mom, please. But she still says, no. (laughs) I was just having such a blast having her sing that song. (laughs) But anyway, fight for your right, Beastie Boys, License to Ill, Goodness, let's listen. And Sue, if you're out there, sing your part, please. That was my number nine, Fight for Your Right by the Beasties. And you're not nuts. I did do some creative editing there. So I wanted to get a couple parts in. So Ralph, my friend. Number nine. What is number nine? I'm going to jump back across the Atlantic to England. This song is all about the guitar work for me by a guitarist named Johnny Marr. The name of the band is The Smiths. The name of the song is Big Mouth Strikes Again in doing some study of the Smiths. They only made four albums with the original members. All four albums are in the top 500 albums for the Rolling Stone magazine. And I believe they're the only group to have every album in the top 500 for Rolling Stone. I love this song. It's an attack on how frustrated Morrissey would get with the media. He would obviously pop off uh, to the media after they asked him uh, some type of stupid question. Kind of talking about himself here when he says Big Mouth Strikes Again because he would obviously say something back to the reporter that he probably wishes he hadn't. The guitar work is the reason that this is my number nine song. Okay, let's listen to Big Mouth Strikes Again by The Smiths. Okay, that's Ralph's number nine, Big Mouth Strikes Again. So what do you have at number eight, my friend? Number eight is a song from one of the great, probably top three rock and roll bands in the world, Rob. It's Houses of the Holy from Led Zeppelin. Oh, Rob's looking at me. Wait a minute. Do I have this mixed up? Okay. Oh, wait a minute. A band took a sample of that. Yeah. Oh, I sorry about that. No, I got it. Yep. So it's actually a band that stole a sample from the ocean, Led Zeppelin, Mm -hmm. and created. You know, they this took about a two to three second snippet Mm -hmm. of of the guitar work in the the ocean. So it's a band we talked about already. Band we've already talked about. Album we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. The Beastie Boys. She's crafty. Okay, you know it's a good tune. And actually, Stephen Petrie and I talked about this in the 1988 podcast, how Robert Plant and Jimmy Page were upset that they were sampling their stuff. But yeah. back then, there was no repercussions to do anything about it. I think it. there's three to four songs that they sample from Led Zeppelin just on this album. Rick Rubin was a huge Led Zeppelin fan, so he's the one that kind of brought this to the Beastie Boys. And once again, it's just about a two to three second portion of a great Jimmy Page riff. It's a fun song, and they take this little riff and build their own music around it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's listen to She's Crafty, Ralph's number eight. 
You should have seen Rob's face. No, when you said it was a band yeah, from the 60s, yeah, I was I like, know. okay, who's around in the 60s? And then I started talking about Houses of the Holy, and Rob's like, Ralph? Uh, that's a 19, I think, what, Houses of the Holy is what, 1977 or 76, uh, yeah, something like that? Around, yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to play a little trick and have fun with you. But you know, th this song is about one of the Beastie Boys meeting a girl uh, after a concert. He says, hey, guys, I'm going to bring this girl home. She wants to come home and party with us. And and the guy's are like, oh, no, 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 we, we, we know who this girl is. You got to be careful. But he brings her home. They party, you know, and he passes out. They all pass out. And they wake up the next day, and she has basically cleaned them out of everything. Right, right. All their stereo equipment, TV, everything. And uh, the other two beasties get pissed at the one guy. I'm not sure which one uh, actually brings her home, but uh, not that that matters. But just kind of a funny story about getting ripped off. She's crafty. She knows what she's doing. Absolutely. That was your eight. That so was my I'm, number eight. So I am going to move to my number eight. This is a band you and me saw. Mm-hmm. Well, last year, I think, with the great Jeff Keith on vocals, uh, Tesla. Okay. On Mechanical Resonance, which is one of my favorite Tesla albums. And it has my favorite song on it, which is Modern Day Cowboy. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, you have it on yours as well? Yes. Yeah. I love this tune, the rapid guitar run, right off the bat. The song's all about the Cold War. The video has weird scenes from High Noon, Scarface, Dr. Strangelove in it. But I've always loved this tune. Guitar work's great. Yeah, the guitar work is great. And this is what they closed the show with when Correct. we saw them. Yep. And there's a reason for it because it is just amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a great song. 1986, brand new band. They got lumped into the hair metal. You know, hair metal was... Well, they were kind of that. They were kind of, but they have better songwriting skills than most of the hair metal bands out there. Compare it to like Poison, yeah. But if you compare mm. it to like Dockin or you can compare it to I'm going to throw Dockin in there with Poison, by the way. I don't know. I, some, <laughs> some of Dockin is in the same space yeah. as Tesla in my head. But Seriously, okay. Well, George Lynch is great yeah. in my head. But when we saw this band, I'm not a huge, huge Tesla fan, but I walked out of there extremely impressed. And this song, yeah. closing down the show, it was awesome. Today, they are just as good as they ever were touring. This thing called touring, bands used to actually <laughs> play in public, and people used to go and see them. When was that? I don't know. I think this is back in the, the pre-COVID days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Bring them back. Oh, my gosh. I need it so bad. I, when I went in to the show, I was just a fan of Mechanical Resonance and Five Man Acoustical Jam, pretty much. And I went in there, and I found that, that I loved all of their stuff. You touched on it. There are heavy guitars to start the song. And then as the lead singers sing in a very melodic, lighter guitars, which it, it just comes together very well. And I so remember the Cold War and living through that. The song hits me right in the head with that. So let's listen to my number eight and Ralph's number whatever. We'll find out later. Monterey Cowboy. I love the way that they juxtapose the heavy stuff yeah. into the acoustic playing in the verse. Yep, completely you know? agree. Anyway, that's Tesla. That's my number eight. My number seven, and this is my rock section. Okay, good. And Finally. It's a band called Iron Maiden. The album is Somewhere in Time. Okay. And the song, as a guitar player, the only song I could possibly put on there 
is Wasted Years because it's probably one of the first Maiden songs I learned how to play. Nice. How can you not like that? Uh, they have so many good documentaries about Maiden, on Iron Maiden okay. on YouTube. Yeah. They have this whole thing about their Ed Force One. They took a 757. Ed Force One. Ed Force One, right? And Bruce Dickinson flew the 757. That's right. He's a pilot. He's a pilot. And he flew it around from place to place. Wow. So he went on and did these shows, and he come right off stage and he's and have to go fly a plane. And the great thing is they fly to all these places that never has seen a big show like this. Because logistically, you couldn't even get there. But if you have your own plane, you could. But it was just amazing to see them play in front of houses that were, they go to countries and there were people as far as you could see. It's really fantastic. And they have a bunch of other documentaries, The History of Iron Maiden, Part 1, 2, and 3. They have all of these shows. And i tell you, by the end of it, I was becoming a bigger Iron Maiden fan. But anyway, let's get back to Wasted Years. The intro is fantastic. And they have three guitar players. Which they have is three, really? They have three. Okay. There's, there's Dave Murray, Adrian Smith, and and Janet Jarrett, but they all play together. And they, if you notice, a lot of their solos are doubled or tripled, but they actually double or triple yeah. them. Yeah. So they're very meticulous about how they play, and they nail stuff. And it's crazy to hear them playing the same notes in a solo together so by I'd two Im- guitars. I, w- I would imagine that it's one of the only bands, I'm sure there's a couple of them out there, where the, I mean, Steve Harris, the bass player, is like the creator of Iron Maiden and probably writes mm-hmm. most of the stuff. Most yeah. of their stuff. Yeah, uh, bass Although player. Although this so. song was written by Adrian Smith. Okay, interesting. Get a load of this lineup. So I saw Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast tour, I want to say, 1983. Yeah. yeah. So opening up, uh, down at Anaheim Stadium. Sure. Huey Lewis and the News. Huey Lewis and the News was opening for Iron Maiden. Oh, my okay. gosh, then, the poor guy. Imagine this crowd coming together in 1983. Then Iron Maiden played. Mm-hmm. Then Scorpions. Well, that I can see. Then Loverboy and Foreigner was headlining all of this. <gasps> I know. <laughs> Is that a weird lineup? It's weird how they throw these bands together sometimes. Yeah. It's it's people who don't know, yeah, the bands, and like Huey Lewis in the News. If you would say Foreigner, if you would say Loverboy and Huey Lewis in the News that were playing works. a show together, that yeah. works. Yeah. Or if you're saying the Scorpions and Iron Maiden were playing together, that works. To so put it all together, but that yeah, it's kind of like two of these things don't belong. Yeah. Very interesting lineup. Had a blast. Good band, good song though, Rob. Yeah, no, I hear you. So let's listen to Wasted Years, my number seven. Good band, good song. So, um, all right. So, Ralph, what is your number seven, my friend? Number seven, I am um, I keep jumping back and forth between the United States and the UK. I'm back in the UK. I'm jumping back into a punk thread that I've got. This gentleman was in a band called Generation X. He's with Generation X probably for five or six years. He left and went on to do a very successful solo career. And his name is Billy Idol from his album Whiplash Smile, and the name of the song is To Be a Lover. Interesting. Yeah, especially uh, early on in the song, 
Uh, he's got a very much of an Elvis Presley sounding voice in it. So I'm a big Billy Idol fan. Had a chance to see him at the Hollywood Palladium during his Rebel Yell tour, which I, I think by far is probably his best album. Uh, this album, Whiplash Smile, came out in 86, just after the Rebel Yell time. And this is, my opinion is, this is this is Billy Idol's last good album. I'm more on the first two albums that really Yes. Good. Third one is okay. I'm, I'm with you on that, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Whiplash Smile. There's a couple songs that are decent, like To Be a Lover is decent. So let's take a listen to To Be a Lover. To Be a Lover. This is Ralph's number seven. Yes. That's to be a lover by Billy Idol. Billy Idol always sounds like Elvis to some degree. He kind of yeah, has especially that. this song, but yeah. I mean, he, that's where Snarl the, came the, from. I was about that's to say, he's got the yeah. snarl and, and all that. So I'm going to tie two of my songs here together. So I think I mentioned to you, I went to see PIL in Irvine, mm-hmm. late, late 80s. Halfway through PIL set, I look over and there's Billy Idol and he's walking my way. And I had pretty good seats like almost dead center, maybe six, seven rows back. Billy Idol for the second half of the set sitting right next to me. Chatted, oh, wow. Yeah, chatted with him a little bit. Nice guy. Couldn't really understand what he was saying, uh, you know, with his English accent and uh, probably had a couple of soda pops in him, but um, it's very nice. And uh, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's always cool when you get to meet people who you look up to and realize they're just regular people. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was weird. It was like, why is he sitting next to me? Like, you, you think he's got to know Johnny Lydon from PIL back from the Generation X days. Like, yeah. And he's sitting here. I'm sure he could be standing up on the stage if he wanted to, but he, you know, he's, he, I don't know if he bought the ticket, but he's sitting right next to me watching one of his buddies. So I thought that was pretty cool. No, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's your number six? Number six, Mick Jones. From The Clash, created another band after uh, being kicked out of The Clash, apparently. Created a band called Big Audio Dynamite and his album Number 10 Upping Street. And the name of the song that I selected is V13. Uh, Just has a a great drum beat. It's pretty straightforward. Has a little little reggae tinge to it with some cutting guitars and, and Mick Jones, who was the lead guitarist in The Clash, is now singing. Just a great rhythm to it. And found out that actually Mick Jones co-wrote this song with Joe Strummer. They oh, actually, really? Yeah, they actually got back together and Joe didn't play any instruments, but co-wrote three or four songs on this album, V13 being one of them. So I thought that was interesting that, uh, once again, after getting kicked out of The Clash, three or four years later, they're able to come back together and uh, co-write some stuff. Just enjoyed this song. Good, good beat to it. No, it's a good tune. So let's take a listen to V13 by Big Audio Dynamite. Yeah, V13. Not bad. 
Definitely different, though. Yeah, you know, it, it had a, um, I mean, this easily, once again, with, with the two ex-Clash guys getting together writing, this easily could have been on one of the older Clash albums. But kind of a fun lyric in there, you know, let the DJ play, because I'm only gone tomorrow and here today. So obviously, it's all about j- enjoying life here today, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Got it. It's interesting call. That one is not one that I would have picked, but that's okay. We're, yeah. we're coming at this time, and that's what's kind of cool, from two different perspectives. 86 for me, I'm just entering high school. What I was looking for is like the new, it wasn't the retro stuff yet. Yeah, I got a couple like years on you. Yeah. I'm in architectural school in Arizona in 1986, so. Very cool. Yeah, so I was in Arizona from 84 to 87. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. So that was your number six. So my number six is going to be real quick because you said it already. Ah. Walk This Way by Run the MC. Very good. And Aerosmith, of course. Uh, from Raising Hell is my number six, and we talked about it already. So my number five is somebody who you may think of as somebody from Genesis, but I think of as Peter Gabriel. And <laughs> this is one of those albums that is so massive that I had to put it on here, and I could not miss it. The album is so. I had a couple songs I was going to pick, but I went with the song that stood out to everybody who would listen and it was one of the songs I like as well. So it kind Can I of guess? Sledgehammer. Oh, okay. It could have been Red the, Rain. It, there's a bunch of songs yeah. on here, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I, you've got this I, on I, here. I could be le- lifting my boombox in your eyes or they have three really big songs that could have been on this. They have more than that actually. This whole album's fantastic. It's a classic album. Uh, but Sledgehammer, I can't hear the song without seeing the video in my head. Yeah. Very artsy, unusual. It's really fantastic, though. But if you listen to it, the drums are fantastic. They brought this guy in from France to go and play it. And he said, this is the guy. He's the great. He's the best guy, session guy in France. And he came over, and Peter Gable comes in, and he he plays him a little bit of the the tune. And he goes, and he lays down the drums. And you see Peter Gabriel jumping around because he's so happy. He's like, that's great. It was so amazing. It's so great. Do it again. He's like, why do I have to do it again? I just did it. I interpreted it. I did it. And, yeah. and it was kind of this big shock to him yeah. on how they did it. But that's the drums they ended up using. And he's the drummer that they toured with him. So clearly Peter Gabriel likes that drummer. <laughs> the flute in the song is good. How often do you hear a flute in the song? The Memphis horns are amazing in this. And they really make this song. Because if you hear the song without the horns, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't have that same drive. And what they did to it is just fantastic. The bass forward in the song, you listen to this song with a good pair of headphones. Don't listen to it on your iPhone. Yeah. Don't listen. But take it. There's so much going on in this song. But clearly, the lyrics say what it's about. The song's about sex. I want to be your sledgehammer. What else could it be about, right? The train, bumper cars, Big Dipper. Come on. I'm glad you picked this song. The, the album is is great. Sledgehammer's great. I probably would have went with Red Rain personally, but Sledgehammer's a great choice. If you listen as a musician to what's happening in Sledgehammer, and plus- There's a I, lot going on. And the first time yeah. I heard it, I was watching the video. And the way they did the video, it's not like they would do it today. Like he's doing videos and they have stop motion. He took him three weeks to or four weeks to do the video because they were doing stop motion around him. Like they were having clouds pass through his face, yeah, and they were redrawing it every frame. 
on his face and he had to stand still and he had to mouth the words. He was a puppet yeah. and he had to keep his mouth forming the word he should be forming at that frame and going through it. It's so meticulous. It's so crazy. They have dancing chickens in it. That's legitimately, they have rotting chickens. The guy who was doing the puppetry for it had a full gas mask on. It smelled so awful. Yeah. But he was doing frame by frame with these chickens dancing. <laughs> And whatever, that was legitimate. It isn't like computer-generated yeah. stuff. I would have guessed that that video is all computer-generated. But okay, interesting. It's all stop motion. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that took him a while to, to <laughs> so, uh, film that. But, but to somebody sit and do that, and the song itself, if you listen to it, as I said, listen to the best quality if you have it on album, listen to it on the LP yeah. or CD. CD's fine too. Sometimes they overcompress it when you get it through Spotify or Apple Music. They'll compress it, and you'll miss some of the nuance. But there's so much going on. There's so much fantastic goodness isn't, in the song. Isn't there a streaming service out there that you can get high, high quality? Sure. Yeah, the title kind of title. Set, I think title is, says yeah. they want to do it. Uh, there's other places that you can do it. You can buy high definition. Like when I bought Security, which is like Peter Gabriel 2 or 3. I think it's 3. And it comes when I bought the LP. It comes with a high-definition download of that album. But even if you're listening to the streaming version, you'll hear a lot. Let's listen to Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, my number five. All right, that's my number good, five. Good jam. Sledgehammer. I like it at Sledgehammer. <laughs> Sledgehammer sounds like some, some, oh, oh, man. I remember I was listening. It was that cold, cold night, and then they played that Sledgehammer on the tone. So good. Anyway, all right. Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> be afraid. Who, <laughs> who walked afraid. into Rob right now? Who? What character walked into Rob? I don't know. There was somebody there. I saw him. I saw him. <laughs> All right, Rob. <laughs> oh, golly. You know what it is? Yeah, you know what, what it, it is? I'm blaming you. Yeah. This is the malt liquor, Mickey's malt liquor talking. <laughs> it's getting to you. I love it. The Mickey's malt liquor. Oh boy! Thank it's you for legit. getting this. Thank you. I mean, this talk about a flashback. This is this is awesome that and you it's uh, funny. found like, this. That's where did I you? I don't know why. Did you go to Bevmo or no? This was at Albertsons. Oh, really? Uh, but it's funny. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't think you could call a beverage today Mickey's because it's like calling it Roofies. Why don't you yeah, just call it Roofies? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I didn't really think of that. I gotta I gotta be careful what happens from here on out. <laughs> Wait, is this a trick? <laughs> you done took a wrong turn. <laughs> Squeal like a pig. <laughs> uh, where's your teefies, boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. All right. Ralph, what's your number five? Number five, uh, we already discussed Modern Day Cowboy by Tesla. So my number four. So I played this well with, with you adding... Peter Gabriel. I went with another Peter. This one's going to be a little bit of a surprise. I'm, I'm a huge fan of this solo artist. Was in a band in the late 70s, a band called Bauhaus. Okay. 
And the lead singer, his name is Peter Murphy, and he reminds me a lot of Peter Gabriel and a lot of David Bowie. Powerful voice, very artistic songwriting. There's six to eight different things going on in his songs. The name of the song that I chose off of Should the World Fall Apart, which is his first album after he left Bauhaus is the answer is clear. Heavy on the keyboards, a little light on the guitar. I'm a huge guitar guy, but there, there is some guitar work in here. The percussion on this album, I feel like he got together whiskey jars or something like that and his drummer's banging on some jars. Just a very, very artistic song. And I chose this. Once again, I, I kind of tie these two, Peter Gabriel and Peter Murphy uh, together, kind of in the same vein. Truthfully, I don't know Peter Murphy at all. So mm, I'm going to make you listen to him yeah no no i'm gonna listen to him i'm looking forward to it and this one was was completely out of left field for me so that's good let's listen to ralph's number could this be your number four number four your number four from a band i haven't heard of i'm impressed okay let's listen to peter murphy the answer is clear Any idea what it means? I was I, I went and I just I clicked I said I gotta see what the lyrics are. I said should you see my face in the mirror, dear? Is that the movement of fear? Are you kicking out at them, judging all the time? You criticize the bull, you just do it just as fine. You are the source of what you call weird pop. Well, that's all you've seen, that's all you've got. It's all over the place. Yeah, so I'm I'm like I'm, I'm like I <laughs> yeah. don't even know what that means. Yeah. It's probably like a, a personal thing, a conversation that he's rehashing in a song. But that whole album, once again, his first album after leaving Bauhaus. This this album, eight eight solid songs on it. If you're if you're interested, so I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna make you listen to it a little bit. I know you uh, are busy with the podcast, but I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a, a playlist of Peter Murphy because he. He probably, Rob, he's got 10 solo albums, probably. So, like, my, my playlist for Peter Murphy is about 40 to 50 songs deep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, maybe one day we'll cover them. Here's, here's uh, I, I think I mentioned to you that uh, I was lucky enough to see this tour. Uh, I was down in uh, Orange County, and, you know, I'm at a small venue. So, Peter Murphy is the headline that night. I'm hanging, you know, it's probably five or 600 people in this club. And, and all of a sudden, uh, one of my, one of my best friends in high school, I see his girlfriend and I go over and I'm talking to her and, and we're talking. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, she's dating, uh, the guitar player for Peter Murphy. And, okay. and I was like, uh, yeah, really? No, you're not. Come on. Next thing you know, after the show, she's got me backstage. I meet the entire band. Oh, chat with him, you know, just for like five minutes or something. But like, okay, I guess it's true. <laughs> so a uh, little fun fact there for Peter Murphy. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. If you like Peter Murphy. If you yeah, like Peter uh, Murphy, exactly. It sounds cool, not knowing Peter Murphy. As I said, check it out. If you haven't checked out Peter Murphy, check it out. Now, my number four is a band that you need to check out if you haven't checked it out. Like, legitimately. <laughs> Was that a shot? Was that a shot? This is legitimately a band that's on the wall behind Ralph. Mm. I think it's the law if you come from New Jersey that that 
album has to be shown somewhere. The album is Slippery When Wet. The name of the band is Bon Jovi, of course. And I decided to go with You Give Love a Bad Name. Good choice. It's interesting. They wrote this with Desmond Child. And I think that the story that Desmond Child uh, talks about is, is a little interesting. So let's listen. Wonderful things you can happen. You walk into the room. You have chemistry with people you've never met before. It's instant. With me, John, and Richie, we had instant chemistry. But Bon Jovi had this idea that I had written this stuff with Kiss that maybe he could write it for somebody else. So when they were writing, he wasn't thinking about writing it for him. He was thinking he could be part of a songwriting team to write something for Loverboy initially, right? Yeah. And then he just realized the song's too good and he kept it for himself. And the song obviously reached number one, massive hit. I love the riff and the verse, building into the pre and then the all-in chorus with the echo and like the group singing, which they kind of do a lot of. Say what you want, Bon Jovi can sing. Yeah. I'm thinking if I walked into this podcast with 86 and I did not hear Bon Jovi, something would be wrong. Yep. The solo was soaring, but short. I love like the chugging riff down low at the end of the solo, which is kind of cool. Anyway, You Give Love a Bad Name by Bon Jovi, Slipper When Wet. I think you kind of get it. So, uh, so let's listen. That's number four for Bon Jovi. You give love a bad name. So my number three, we're getting into the top here. Yeah, like we are. The Echelon. And this song, I remember just loving. Uh, once again, it starts with arpeggiation on guitar and big guitar chords in the chorus. They have a female singer that sings part of this. It's by a guy who died recently. It's by Eddie Money. Mm. The album is Can't Hold Back. And the song is Take Me Home Tonight. He sang it with Ronnie Spector. Good who, song. Who's Phil Spector's wife. She was with the Ronettes for a while. And the Be My Little Baby Isn't part. Spector in some... F- yeah, he's... he's he, yeah, in yeah, jail? Yeah, yeah, in jail, yeah. Okay. But he kept her under lock and key once he married her. Wow. And he wouldn't let her do anything. And then she left him, finally. And she married somebody else. And Eddie Money had the song in mind. And he wanted to talk to her. And she said, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm out of that space it ruined me he said listen here's the lyrics this song's a tribute to you this is what he said on the phone he goes the lyrics are just like ronnie sang be my little baby she had heard two tickets to paradise by him and she loved that song so when he said that she said i was sold so she came out of retirement and came in and sang on the track i feel a hunger it's a hunger it just gets you right from the start so good. It was such a sad day when I heard. He died of cancer, right, in uh, 2019. Yeah, I was amazed. I mean, I, I'm i a Eddie Money fan, but when he passed away, I, I really realized what he meant to the rock and roll world. Like, there was all kinds of tributes coming out when he passed away. So, unfortunately, he was pretty, what was he, like 62 or 3? I mean, he was fairly young, he was pretty unfortunately. Young, yeah. So. Um, but no, good uh, good choice with Eddie Money. Yeah, it's uh, a song about a guy who's in lust with a girl and trying to convince her to take her home, which is a lot of those things. Sounds like rock and roll. The video is interesting because it's shot entirely in black and white, and it kind of stood apart 
from what was happening. Yeah. Oh, interesting little tidbit. As they get on the set, they, they think, okay, we did the song. We love the song. They want to do the video, and, Ron, and Ronnie's boyfriend slash manager now, because she was out of the industry and now she's back in, the guy she's seeing, told her that to hold out for more money and not to do it. So the producer of the video had his wife dress up like Ronnie <laughs> yeah. and, and stand in the shadows and start oh doing it. And she saw the sand in. She starts screaming at her boyfriend manager. They're going to do it without me. They're going to do it. And she ended up doing it. Yeah. She just did it. And then and she ended up getting a solo album out of it. It didn't do that well, but at least she got something out of it. And obviously brought her back. MTV was what how you heard music back then, really. That's where I heard this song. And it blew me away. It was one of those songs I've always loved. So Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money, my number three. Let's hear it. It's good. Good tune. So let's listen. And of course, the saxophone's really good in that yeah. as well. Good stuff with Eddie Money. Yep. So, my friend, what is your number three? That was my number three. Number three, um, going to stay in the UK, and and very similar to uh, my number four with Peter Murphy. Uh, this gentleman fronted a huge band uh, from England, and then uh, probably did maybe five or six albums with this band, and then uh, started a solo career. And I'm always amazed that this singer. You is, have my attention. Is able to write songs, but he sure can pick guitar players. So this this gentleman that I'm talking about has had some of the great metal guitar players in his uh, band: Randy Rhodes, Jake E. Lee. I'm going. I'm going with Ozzy Osbourne, uh, his Ultimate Sin album. Right, right, right. And uh, Jake E. Lee is the guitarist. Right, and he just. I mean, once it, again, Randy Rhodes on guitar. It's really interesting. Just as a quick sidebar, yeah. before Randy Rhodes became Ozzy's guitarist, yeah, they wanted to hire a guy called George Lynch, oh, but yeah. but he had just gotten signed with Dawkins, and he figured that that was pretty big. And Ozzy was pretty much out of his mind at that point. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm going to go with my thing. And so they, Randy Rhodes became Ozzy's guitar player. And then once Randy Rhodes died, they went and they they went and they tried to find five guitar players, the best five guitar players in that. Yeah. And the first one was George Lynch. And George Lynch had went and started playing a little round with Ozzy. Nothing crazy, nothing writing, just, yeah. just doing some sound checks, doing some things with Ozzy, playing a little here and there. And uh, Jakey Lee came in to do his... They asked him to do an audition. Yep. And he came in, and he didn't know Ozzy's songs. So he took the first album, Blizzard of Oz, and he and he learned I Don't Know and Crazy Train. And he went and he played it, and he started playing for Ozzy. And he starts playing, and he mixes the songs up in the tryout. Like, he'll start playing apart from this. Oh, no. and, he the other. and he's still got the gig. And then he finishes up, and he's packing up at the end of this gig, and he's like, oh, great. You know, that was that was the way That didn't go well. And George Lynch walks in, and he's like, hey, man, how'd it go? And he goes, uh, you know, I'm not going to get the gig. And then Ozzy walks in, and he goes. Do your Ozzy voice. 
you want the gig? And, and he goes, yeah. And, and he goes, yes. He goes, George, you're fired. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That is great. That is so Aussie. I mean, I don't know how Ozzy functions as a human being. I mean, I've heard I've heard stories and articles that you know back in like the Sabbath days, or, or maybe even early on in his uh, solo career. Like for ten straight years, this guy dropped acid. Like I don't know how you function dropping LSD for every day ten straight years. He sure could pick guitar players. Once again, Jakey Lee, Randy Rhodes, Zach Wild. Zach Wild was fantastic. No rest for the wicked. No, yeah. No, no. It's yeah. just I mean, this guy just has a knack. Now the interesting thing about this song, Shot in the Dark, the guitar work that Jake pulls off on this is just magnificent metal guitar work. And it's interesting that this this song, although one of his bigger hits, Ozzy, is not on a lot of his greatest hit albums because there's some question on who actually wrote it. Ozzy had a lot of moving parts, you know, bass players and, sure. and drummers moving in and out, guitar players moving in and out. And there was a gentleman who just came into his band, Phil Susan, I think it was his bass player at the time, uh, actually wrote a good portion of this. Really? And, 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 okay, it's, and it's kept off of a lot of Ozzy's greatest hits. I think it made it on one of his greatest hits, but they keep it off just because the songwriting credits are a little bit... Uh, um, hazy on this so mm. but once again the guitar work is just great actually the the title of the song is a reference to the pink panther film shot in the dark yeah. oh, i love the old pink panther <laughs> yeah. movies great ba- great weird. yeah great bass line to open up and then the guitar kicks in it's just a great riff ozzy osbourne shot in the dark off the ultimate sin album and this is jakey lee of course on guitar turn it up <laughs> Beavis, I took a shot in the dark. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was like, clean it up, please. <laughs> so speaking of speaking of good guitar players, it, uh, you know, you mentioned George Lynch and then uh, Zach Wild, both residents of Santa Clarita Valley. Are they really cool? Yeah, they're amazing guitar players in my head. Number two is a band that. Um, I think you and Jake talked about this band and I was like, oh, you know, because this is kind of like they're a big band in 1986, but not a, not a lot of people know about this band. They had a couple of big hits. And when I heard Jake talking about this band, I was like, oh, he's going to give away one of my secrets. But it was it was interesting that Jake, Madonna? No, Jake said, <laughs> look, I love the song that Jake picked, but he said, I don't know a lot about this band. So I'm here to tell you about this band. So. My number four is by a gentleman, a singer, Peter Murphy, who was with a band called- You already had Peter Murphy. No, I know. But no, I'm going to tie this together. So Peter Murphy is the lead singer for Bauhaus. Mm -hmm. The other three members of Bauhaus created a band called Love and Rockets. Oh, okay. So Daniel Ash and David J. and Kevin Haskins, they were also in Bauhaus, broke up. But they stayed together, the three of them, created Love and Rockets. And their second album in 1986 is an album called Express. And I, um, once again, this album has 
eight really good songs on it. So, so you went with Yin and Yang. I went with Yin and Yang. Yes. You called it. You called it. Okay. Yeah, Yin and Yang and the Flower Pot Man for whatever reason that is. But I love the acoustic work. Uh, Daniel Ash. But he's one of my favorite guitarists. That doesn't get a lot of credit for being a great guitarist. Uses a lot of acoustic, and then when he's playing leads, he uses a lot of feedback. And so just Excuse a me. very abstract guitar player. I love this song. Opening is acoustic. The drummer's kind of doing a drum roll, and he and he kind of keeps that momentum throughout the entire song. This is kind of a drum roll on the snare. Reminds me of a locomotive going down the street. There's an instrumental portion in the middle of the song, about a, I think it's about a minute and a half in, where it goes from an acoustic to a very distorted guitar work that I absolutely love, but um, just just love this song. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, I was surprised that that Eleven Rocket song made it. Yep, this was a top ten. This was a top ten album in 1986. But I get it? Like that yeah. was what you were into. Yeah, you, you know, you got the Bauhaus connection, yep. and that was like, okay, I love these guys. I love yeah. these guys who are in this band. I love this band. So now they're moving into these other bands. So let me love those bands. Totally with you. So let's listen to Yin and Yang, the Flower Pot Band. So you selected. You know this song then. Yeah, I've heard it. Okay. Yeah. But I, I looked at the album and said, what song do I know? I said, that's the song and that's yep, the one you probably picked. Yep. Yeah. Good choice. Okay. No, it's interesting. Love it. Yeah. My number two is a San Francisco, well, a LA band that moved to San Francisco. Oh, wonder what that could be. I wonder what it could be. They're an uh, LA band, by the way. They're an, oh, well, they <laughs> became a thrash band and really broke out when Cliff joined them. And when Cliff mm. joined them, they had to move to San Francisco. And that's why they call San Francisco their home. And, you know, I saw them, you know, I love them. They're one of my favorite bands of all time, Metallica. Yep. Yep. I can't, I, I don't know what you have at number one. My number two is I went to the album and I and I have three or four songs that I wanted to do. There's three songs that I looked at. When I get a tie like that, I go, what song would somebody who doesn't know Metallica, not a huge fan, know? This time I'm doing Master, Master of, Pop, of Puppets. Puppets. My number Good two, choice. My number two. And it was one of my, I think it was my number one choice in the Metallica podcast. It was. Okay. Excellent it choice. wasn't number one for us because Jake... Was very very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just the whole the whole album is just a masterpiece, uh, especially when you start going back and you go back to Kill 'Em All, and then you see the jump from, from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning is a huge jump, huge jump, and then from Ride the Lightning to Master Puppets, another big jump. jump. Yeah, but <laughs> we're here to talk about Master Puppets, the song. Let me go through. At the end of the song, you hear backwards recordings of the band's guitar. The it's another backwards playing of stuff. While there's, Which part? Well, there's yeah? laughters, laughters playing and stuff. Oh, okay. Hetfield plays the first solo, and then Hammett plays like the fast stuff later. This song was deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant for preservation by the National Recording Registry of the United States Library of Congress. Really? The first metal album ever to do so. Uh, love uh, these boys. Yeah, this is just fantastic. Hetfield says that he didn't realize after he wrote the song that it was probably about his alcoholism that he couldn't admit. 
it was he always talked about it as being about drugs. Yeah, I thought this was being controlled by cocaine use. Yeah, no, that's what yeah. it's supposed to be. And yeah. they and then when they played China, they weren't allowed to play it. Really? Yeah, because it was about master puppets, and they didn't want that to see a state control. <laughs> Why would China not want that? No, they didn't. But Hammett actually played the intro riff. But then he he was like just messing with them because uh, they had guns. They were they were they had guns. I was about to say they they were gonna be good boys. They had guns. It's, it's one thing to be like a smart ass that play stuff like Metallica's done like weird stuff. Yep. They were on the the European whatever MTV Music Awards. Yeah. And they were supposed to play like holier than thou or something, and they played you know like. I got something to say. I killed your baby today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At last caress. They played yep. all this stuff in front of like a crowd. And I'm like, you can do that. But you're not doing that in you, China. Not in China. <laughs> you get slapped on the wrist. You might get thrown in jail here. But in China, no, you're, 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 you'll never get back to the United States if you do that in China. But anyway, let's listen to my number two, Master of Puppets. So good. We have to see them again. And you you have not been out to see them since the infancies. Yeah. You, you need to see them in the big show. All right. So that was my number two. So now let's go to my number one. Once again, one of my favorite movies of all time is this silly movie. Oh, boy. Called Iron Eagle. And it has- Oh, no. What are you doing to me here? Louis, Louis Gossett Jr. is in this movie. And Does he have an album? No. <laughs> Uh, no, he doesn't, and then you'll be thankful for that. His name is Trappy Sinclair, is this guy who flies along with this kid who's trying to get his parents, and he's an F-16 fighter pilot. But this kid can't be a good pilot unless he plays music. He has a Walkman, and he clicks it on, and this tune came on, and I'm like, I don't know what the, at the time, I don't know what that is, but I love that because it had this big open guitars, these big chord hits, which should be no revelation to anybody who's ever listened to this podcast that yep. I love. And I was shocked to find out that the band that did this was Queen. Really? And the song that came out in 1986 on A Kind of Magic and also the Iron Eagle soundtrack was called One Vision. It is my favorite Queen song. One vision. One vision of all the things I just love from seeing it in that More movie. More than sheer heart attack. Uh, so, or... yeah, I'm with you. But it's the big chord hits. It's the, I love that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and that totally has that. And it reminds me of the movie. I love the breakdown. Obviously, the joke at the end was the fried chicken, but they kind of threw that in. And they did have a video out on YouTube, which you need to see. All of the members of Queen came into the studio with nothing. Okay. And they started creating it, and they taped it. And they taped them creating this song out of nothing, and everybody contributed. And it's interesting to see them coming together and contribute to the song. And it's all on tape. It's all on video. Yeah. Well, not all on video. It's it's happily edited to, to take sure. the tension-filled moments. It's not some kind of monster-free rain video. Yeah. It's just, you, yeah, know, yeah. you know, they showed some of the video on how they're making it. I don't it. know if I know this song. The intro part, the, they have some uh, synth in it that was played by Brian May. 
the voice, the weird voice in the start actually says God moves in mysterious ways. Mm. And the uh, the whole idea of fried chicken was just a humorous aside, not a social commentary. Uh, Are you a big Queen fan? I am. I, okay. I like a lot of I like a lot of Queen, but this one is just one of the songs that just stepped out for me. And uh, see Bohemian Rhapsody if you haven't, it's really worthwhile. Yeah, um, it is very good. But uh, let's listen to a little bit of One Vision, and that was the beginning of it. Was that but the devil there? That was the goddess in mysterious ways, but it's backwards okay. through like you know whatever they're doing. So this is the radio version. Because I, for what we're doing here, it's probably yeah. better for that. Okay. The extended version's even better, but a lot of uh, instrumental extra breaks, guitar and, solos, okay. and stuff. Good. But this is more of a, a shortened version. This is from the Iron Eagle soundtrack, and the a kind of if you want the shortened version, you can get it there. If you want the longer full version, that's on a kind of magic put up by Queen the same year. Let's in, hear in it. Take, so let's listen, and uh, I'll play the whole thing for Ralph because he hasn't heard it, and. And he, it's surprised he hasn't heard the best song by Queen ever. So anyway, here we go. Let's listen to One Vision by Queen, my number one. Fried chicken? Yeah, that that's the joke at the end. <laughs> he just said that as an aside. He was like, that'd be kind of funny. Fried chicken. You know. Right, so we've been nice to each other tonight. How, how does that song end up uh, on top of Master of Puppets? Uh, it's really that good in my, my head. Mm. It, it was like, I was thinking of 86. I was yep. thinking of the movies I saw in 86. I think of what I remember in 86. I really didn't get into Master of Puppets until a couple years later anyway. So at the end of the day... That comes in, and it's really that good. And it's for somebody who's a classic rock fan not yeah. knowing that song. <laughs> I've, I don't think I've ever heard that song. Really? It's good, though, huh? That's like a big Queen song. I, I'm surprised yeah, you didn't I, heard it. Yeah, yeah, I do not know that song. Wow. Interesting. Takes me back. That song takes me back yeah. to watching Iron Eagle, which takes me back to that exact moment in my life. When I was watching it, I was I was doing like – I had this like simulation – which was like F-15 Strike Eagle on Commodore 64. <laughs> How awesome was that? That was it. Was Top Gun was that year. And then Iron Eagle came out, and Iron Eagle just blew me away. When you're 15 years old and the plot of the movie is, all of a sudden somebody my age gets a hold of F-16. I kind of like that idea. Sure. And the main character had a Walkman, and I had a Walkman. You push the Walkman, and you get the, the music. And he had a lot of good music on that, but that was the one that stood out to me that I didn't he know at the time was One Vision by Queen. Ever since then, it's one of my favorite songs. Interesting. Very interesting. I did I did not. Was As I'm selecting my top 13, I'm like, what's Rob going to pick? That one did not come up. Well, no. If you didn't know it, you wouldn't know how yep, awesome it is. Yep. But you know now. So now you would have considered it for your 12, I'm sure. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is your number one? Number one is an album that we've already talked about. I hope it's Master Puppets. You you know, obviously, I had to pick something from that album. Probably the the number one thrash album of all time. Um, now, I did not pick Master of Puppets, but from that album, 
What, what, what did I select? Disposable Heroes. No. Oh. Damage Incorporated. Really? Yeah. Now, the the, the start is a little bit... Is of, probably wait, a, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, go ahead. Just of that whole album, yes. the one that spoke to you is the most generic thrash song on the album. It's not this comp- composition of like... You go through all the rest of that album. Leper Messiah, Disposable Heroes... Sanitarium, I get. It's kind of a. What little, was the term you used? About, uh, the about thing that should not be is is great. Battery is this epic growth, but it still has that thrash feel. Battery's like, great. I would have said go with battery. Yeah, you know what? Uh, but Damage Inc. is just it's Damage Incorporated. Dun, 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 dun. It's it's like you want you just throw and kill them all and and, and watch that. Because that's the no growth song on this album. It's the only Listen, one. You just chose Queen as your number one album. No, that's okay. So of '86. So I'm, I'm going for the year. Yeah, three great songs on this album. You selected one. And I was like, you know what? And this is one where. But uh, but somebody who doesn't know Metallica would know Damage Inc. Um, would they know? I, I I don't think they would. That's my. That's why I don't know how it could be I, number one. I read several articles <laughs> where. Now, Master of Puppets is typically their number one song, but I, I, I have read other articles and lists where Damage Incorporated, if you dig a little bit deeper, Damage Incorporated is a top three song for Metallica. It's a top three song if you're a Metallica fan who loves the Kill em All. If you're a Kill em All fan... Or Ride if, the Lightning, if, yes. You know, not even Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning is better songs than this. I would put Damage Incorporated in my top 50 Metallica songs. You wouldn't? I would. Oh, you would. Okay. You wouldn't uh, even, not even 20. It wouldn't be in the top point. Okay. We're going to listen to this song and you're going to change your mind. Now, the first 90 seconds, like there's, and you, I need your help a little bit with this being the guitar player of the group. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know exactly what's going, is it a bass feedback going on or is it guitar work in the first 90 seconds? I think it's a swell that Cliff uses. And he put some sort of effect on it, like a reverse delay or something. That's okay. But it's cool. I wish it was 30 seconds instead of 90 seconds. That's the downfall of the song. But once this song gets going after 90 seconds, like just the guitar work, and I, I can remember listening to this song, this whole album, yeah, yeah. along with Ride the Lightning. It's like, like just listening to this album going, okay, there's no one doing this. There is no one doing what these guys are doing. The sound they're getting out of their guitar and Hetfield's voice is at his best on this song. He's just barking out lyrics and then quietly says, Damage Incorporated, and then just tears it up again. It's a good vibe, though. I mean, it's... It, listen to the guitar work. Seeing it live listen is good. To it. It's good. It's good. Okay. Let's listen. Turn it up. Good stuff. Sound, yeah. The sound is amazing. Yeah, it is. For that. But it's just pure thrash, straight chords, power chords, picking quick. Stop eating up my number one. You no, pick no. Queen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but my Queen, my Queen, it does what it's supposed to do. It really is. So, uh, but, but that's it. Good I, list, though. I think we bounced off of each other very well. We had two same selections, I believe, which I think we talked about before we started recording that we had probably hit two or three. So yeah, you said two. We, but we hit that number. 
I got a couple of honorable mentions, if you don't mind me throwing oh, some. Well, so I had Eurythmics, Missionary Man. Oh, yeah, I thought about that. Yeah. Early uh, Eurythmics I love. I think like their first three or four albums, really, really good. Another close one for me was Land of Confusion by Genesis. Yep, I had Land of Confusion on there. Um, I had uh, uh, Peter Gabriel, which you uh, have on your list. My, um, my, my song of note that I almost went with yeah. was The Future So Bright I Gotta Wear Shades by Timbuk3. Tim Buck three, nice. which was like a little obscure one, but I'm like, <laughs> yep. and the one that I really miss out of all of this, the album that I missed, yeah, if I rank the albums, would be in my top ten okay. albums from that year, yeah, but none of the songs hit the threshold. What's that? Which would be fifty one fifty. Oh, by Van you know Halen. what? You know what? what? You're right. I can't believe you didn't select a fifty one fifty song. The What's one, the number one song? Why can't this be loved? Yeah, yeah, I that's a good. Do that. You know what I'm saying? Look, I'm not a uh, Sammy fan, but that's a that's the best of best Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. You're absolutely right, but just they just don't have uh, Best of Both Worlds, Summer Nights. Yeah. there's a bunch of really good songs, but and when I put the songs up against the other songs I had, yeah, it just wasn't there. Yeah, for me, I'm a huge, huge Talking Heads fan, but True Stories was not one of their better albums. I really wanted to put a Talking Heads uh, song on there, but just couldn't do it. Wild Wildlife or Love for Sale. No Striper for you. I was kind of surprised. no Striper. Steve Winwood, uh, Higher Love, Back in the High Life. Yep. How about uh, B-52s? I'm a big B-52s fan, but um, I think it was Cosmic Thing that came out in 86. Summer of Love is the big hit off of there, and it's something that I thought about putting on there, but uh, just just didn't quite make it. Yeah. Cinderella was on my list. Cinderella, right? Cinderella yep. Night Songs. Yep. That album has a bunch of really it, good stuff. It really does, yes. Uh, Shake Me, Nobody's Fool, Somebody Save Me. Yep. Right, Riot. Not a great album. The album sucked. Yeah. But they had one song that was really good that they played on MTV that for some reason just hit me, and it was uh, The Wild and the Young. Is this Kevin DeBro uh, yeah, era? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But it was really good. Talk Dirty to Me by Poison. Okay. As much as it, it just was an important song, I thought, that I didn't do it. Superman by R.E.M., Slip yeah. Little Lip by Rat. Your Wildest Dreams by Moody Blues was one of those mm. songs that hit me when that came out, and it just... Because it makes you think of everybody who you've ever dated in your life. There's a couple of Moody Blues songs that I do enjoy. A little, little bit older than 86. But Jakey e. Lee, who was on uh, uh, my Ozzy uh, song, found out you know, like after researching all this that he was one of the original guitar players for Rat of all people. Oh, really? Yeah. Down in San Diego before they even came up to the L.A. area and started playing. But um, got booted out of the band for whatever reason. Yeah, but the one that I thought would be on your list, yeah, well, yeah, what'd you and think? that wasn't on your list and wasn't on my list, was by a band called Europe. Final <laughs> countdown. Isn't that an insurance commercial now or something it, like that? It, it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iggy Pop, real wild child. Yep, yep. I'm a real I, wild child. Yep. I'm a big Iggy yeah. and the Stooges fans. I, Turbo <laughs> Lover. Come on. Uh, Ooh. From, from Judas Priest. Yeah, Judas. That that was. And you won't remember. I'll never forget. By Ingvay Malmsteen is just. Crazy good. Did and Ingvig. West End Girls by Pet Shop Boys. Oh, I was waiting for you to put that. that one on. Which uh, metal, hair metal band did uh, Ingve come out of? He Is played it? with Steeler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it's a band that I actually saw back in the club days when I was going to see Rat and all that. But yeah, Ingve was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, a main band. No, it wasn't no, no. a band that yeah, most Steelers, people would have heard of. Yeah. 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 But Ingve uh, is an amazing guitar player. But that's what he is. Good list. 1986. A nice flashback. 
Once again, thanks for the Mickey's Big Mouth. Yeah, no worries. Let's recap. Okay. Start with mine, and then you can start with yours. Okay. Okay, and my song of note is You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon from Graceland. My number 12 was Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. Number 11, Blood and Roses by The Smithereens. Number 10, Walk Like an Egyptian, The Bangles. Number 9, Fight for Your Right, Beastie Boys. Number 8, Modern Day Cowboy by Tesla. Number seven, Wasted Years by Iron Maiden. Number six, Walk This Way by Run DMC. Number five, Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Number four, You Give Love a Bad Name by Bon Jovi. Number three, Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money. Number two, Master of Puppets Mm. by Metallica. Mm -mm. And number one, One Vision by Queen. All right, what was your... uh, Song of note number 13 for me was a song called Lie Detector by Dead Kennedys. Number 12 was Walk This Way by Run DMC and Aerosmith. Number 11 was Rise by PIL or Public Image Limited. Number 10 is Peace Sells by Megadeth. And then my number nine is Big Mouth Strikes Again by The Smiths. Number eight, She's Crafty by the Beastie Boys. Number seven, To Be a Lover by Billy Idol. Number six, V13 by Big Audio Dynamite. Number five is Modern Day Cowboy Tesla. Number four, The Answer is Clear by Peter Murphy. Three, Shot in the Dark by Ozzy Osbourne. Number two, Yin and Yang, The Flower Pot Man. Eleven Rockets, and then number one, Damage Incorporated by the great Metallica. Good job. Yep. Well, thanks. Fun for, times. Thanks for hanging out. And, yep. Thanks for inviting me. You know, obviously we had some disagreements in the top four or so. That's why we're here. But well, that's all good. Thank you for, for doing this. It's great. Thank you for everybody who's listening. If you're on a podcast that you can give stars, please give us five stars. That'd be awesome. Subscribe to us and all that stuff. Check. I put on www.dirtydozenpodcast.com if you go there. There'll be a link to our Facebook page if you want to have a conversation with us and grab us. That's the best way to do it. We'll also have a link to our YouTube playlist for all these songs that we're playing today where appropriate. There may not be a video for Dammer Jink, I don't know, but we may have a live version that I'll put on there. We'll have all the videos from 1986 on there and see the videos like we saw them in MTV days. I'll see you in two weeks, and we're going to be doing a 1985. 1985. Another good year. It should be good. So uh, thank you, everybody, for being a part of it. Thank you, Ralph. And I'll see you soon. God bless and be well. Thanks again. We'll see everyone.